0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again tonight. Closing in on about 24 hours since Carolina went on the road and beat Syracuse 72-68. And we're here to to break down all the action. We're going to take a look at the box score, provide our quote of the game, uh, look at the stat of the game and give more thoughts and takeaways from the victory. But as I mentioned, uh, Carolina goes on the road and takes down Syracuse 72-68 to for their fourth straight win overall and their 10th win in their last 12 outings. And all of a sudden, Carolina has built their record up to a respectable 15-6 overall and seven and three in the ACC. But by that final score margin, you could tell that it wasn't easy. Uh, We knew this game was really important for Syracuse um, as they're trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament. They needed a win like over Carolina last night, and they put arguably maybe their best performance in a losing effort uh, so far this season. Carolina actually, despite leading for over 36 minutes, found themselves trailing with under a minute to play, where Pete Nance received the ball at the foul line area and and tried to drive it to the rim, Um, and he drew a foul. And he went to the foul line down 68-66 to to shoot two free throws. He would make the first and miss the second. And on the ensuing miss, Syracuse had a hard time corralling the rebound. Uh, Joseph Gerrard found the ball in his hands, but was falling out of bounds. He saves it to Pete Nance, who laid it in for a 69 to 68 advantage. And on the ensuing possession, uh, RJ Davis would draw a charge that would result in a, in a in a flagrant foul that um would give Carolina two shots and the ball. Caleb Love would make the um one of the two free throws, but since it was a flagrant foul, Carolina got to keep the ball, and they would, before Carolina even inbound the ball with 10.7 seconds left, Love was fouled by Judah Mintz, and he went to the foul line, made two free throws, and that would be all she wrote. And, buddy, I think we knew, you know, going into the game, it wasn't going to be easy because the game was really important for Syracuse. These two teams had split. Uh, their last two matchups overall, and um, what we got last night was a highly contested, it was a great crowd up there in upstate New York, it was a physical game, and luckily, and thankfully, Carolina was able to come away with their second straight win away from the Smith Center.
1: Yeah. And again, it, it was, uh, it didn't come without controversy. Sorry. I was sifting through all of the different complaints that came out yet again about the officiating in this game. You know, I, I think for, for Carolina, the, the thing that you have to take out of this is that it is a road win and that's what matters right now in the ACC. You have to be able to find a way to win games like this and Look, they it it took it took some luck. Syracuse had to basically hand you the game on a silver platter, uh, thanks to Joe Girard and and look, that's a guy, that's a veteran guy that's making a mistake. Great job by Pete Nance of being in the right place at the right time and finishing when he had the opportunity. And Carolina finds a way to pick up a, a, an important road win. Uh, that now, you know, gives them a legitimate road victory. And look, Syracuse is a team that right now, probably if you said today, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. But prior to that, Carolina's only true road win of the entire season was on the road at Louisville. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I don't even know if that counts as a Division One win at this point because Louisville is that damn bad. So, I think this is this is huge for Carolina overall. Confidence wise, I think you, you really have to wonder if if this is the type of win that they needed to really get things rolling on the road because I feel like that's the that's the next step for this Carolina team. They have taken care of business at home. Uh, Really, since, you know, that last year under Roy Williams, Carolina has been absolutely dominant in the Smith Center. You do not go in there and win. Their problem has been they're not able to win games on the road uh, consistently enough. And, look, I, I think there are a lot of people, and myself included, that are a little bit frustrated with the fact that this team just cannot seem to put away opponents They have multiple chances again last night. One of them was early in the game. Carolina was up 10 points early in the game. They could have put this game away early and really just at least had a comfortable lead for the majority of the night. They couldn't do that. And then they have a chance late in the game, up 10 in the second half, to potentially put the game away and they let Syracuse back into the game. So that's definitely something that I think from last night you have to be frustrated with. But ultimately I think the, the the thing that Carolina fans have to just admit to themselves right now is that even though the narrative nationally around the ACC is that the ACC sucks, the ACC is not that bad at all. They are going to put, um, you know, one of, if not the most amount of teams in the NCAA tournament this year. So picking up a road win any way that you can get it is big for this Carolina team.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's just something that I, I've I've really come to a place as a fan. Um, and I want to get, you know, this message out as a podcast host. You can't take ACC wins for granted, no matter how they come, no matter how pretty they are, no matter how ugly they are. It's really freaking hard. To go on the road in this conference and win basketball games, the example is look at all the other really good teams in the conference that have struggled to leave their for leave their home gym and go on the road and win. And Carolina um, is now won back to back road games, and that's only going to build their confidence, you know, moving forward. As this team, I think, is starting to put it together. Um, now, you know, I I sent a tweet out that. When it was it, it was it was looking more like Carolina was gonna lose the game that maybe I had bought a little bit too much in, but this team, as they have done so often under Huber Davis, when I've been willing to write them off, they you know, they show up and they and and, and they prove us wrong um yet again last night. No other than Pete Nance. Um Carolina doesn't win the game without him last night. He scored twenty one points and You know, he was the focal point of trying to dissect that 2-3 zone, which I thought was the right move by uh, Hubert Davis using him there as opposed to Armando Baycott. And it wasn't always pretty, uh, but he made a lot of big plays and gave Carolina a chance to win the game, which we'll talk about a little bit later here in the show. Let's take a look now at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings and Once again, this is a box score that doesn't probably lead you to believe that Carolina won the game, but they found other ways to get the job done. Despite shooting just 45% from the field, uh, they were 26 of 58. Syracuse shot over 50% from the field. They were 29 of 57 for 51%. Uh, Carolina was 6 of 16 from 3 for 38%. Uh, Meanwhile, Syracuse was 8-of-18 for 44%. Uh, There was a big margin of discrepancy in the free throws. Carolina was 14-of-23 from the foul line, so not a good number, as that was just 61% from the charity strike. But just three free throws um, for Syracuse, so Carolina was plus 20 at the foul line. Here's really where Carolina got the job done, though, and while they were able to win the game. They forced 17 Syracuse turnovers and turned those into 21 points. Meanwhile, just 10 turnovers for Carolina last night, which were converted into 14 points for the Orange. Believe it or not, Carolina lost the battle of the boards, 35 to 30, including getting out rebounded at 30 to 24 on the defensive glass. Uh, Carolina did out rebound them on the offensive glass, six to five, um, as Armando Baycott. Failed to reach um, double figures in rebounding. He had just eight rebounds, so a you know below average rebounding uh, night for him. Jesse Edwards for Syracuse grabbed seven second chance points, four to two in favor of Syracuse. Bench points six to five in favor of Syracuse. Uh, points in the paint thirty eight to thirty four in favor of Syracuse. Fast break points ten to seven in favor of Syracuse. Uh, blocks 8-3 to in favor of Syracuse. Uh, Carolina did have nine steals compared to just three for the Orange. And here was another big uh, advantage for the Heels. They had 20 assists on their 12-made baskets, and Syracuse with just 12 assists on their 29-made baskets. I said it wasn't a box score that, that would lead you to believe that Carolina won. Now that I just ran through that box score with a lot of categories that Syracuse won, what do you make what do you think of Carolina finding a way to win despite the stats telling you they probably should have lost this game?
1: Uh, I think it just shows that this is a team that is really starting to round into form and I think the other thing is that look we've talked so much about this team finding a way to win games even if it's not against the greatest opponents but finding a way to win them late and how impactful that was going to be and you're seeing why it is so impactful? This game could fit into that category as well. Um, personally, I think that Syracuse is at least going to get into the conversation to make the NCAA tournament this year. I think, you know, those losses when we were previewing the matchup against Colgate, although Colgate was a team that made the NCAA tournament a year ago, um, but Bryant certainly not a team that's all that great this year. Uh, Though those are the types of losses that could keep them out. So. Ultimately, I think this is one of those games, though, that, you know, you you have to you have to feel pretty good about the fact that Carolina was able to find a way to victory in a game where, yeah, they 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 did not play their best game in terms of the stats and really just in terms of watching them overall. Now, the frustrating part about it is that early in the game, it looked like this team was in for a really good night offensively. You thought at least on that end of the floor that they were going to be able to take care of business because, man, they they had done such a good job moving the basketball. They got some really, really good looks uh, at the basket. Um, Also had, you know, a, a couple of threes from the outside that they were able to knock down. Caleb Love looked like he was in rhythm, but, you know, after Caleb Love gets into foul trouble, that pretty much changed the game completely, and I, I think from there it was just a struggle for Carolina. But yeah, credit to these guys, credit to the leaders on this team for finding a way to fight through all of that and pick up a win. That yeah, they knew they needed. It, I mean, we we just I just said it here a few minutes ago, but that was definitely known in that locker room that this was one that Carolina had to get because you did not want to have to get to a point where the next chance to win a road game to win your first legitimate road game of the season would be against Duke. So I, I think this, this was, this was a big one for Carolina credit to them for fighting through a credit to, you know, the staff for, you know, doing everything that they had to do late in the game to keep these guys focused not let them get into that mindset of we just blew a game here and finding a way uh, to pull out a a tough earned victory over the orange last night
0: yeah and I think you know um, it it, it was it was a much needed win as I mentioned it pushed Carolina's record to 15 and 6 they they, they're now 7 and 3 what is becoming a crowd at ACC and it also came on the eve of Carolina having over a week off and it's a good time for Carolina to to get some rest and to try and get healthy. Let's move on now to our quote of the game uh, from Hubert Davis talking about Pete Nance saying, he was just so great for us. I couldn't take him out. One of the things that you have to do against Syracuse, you have to attack the basket through poster penetration. You've got to get the ball into the middle. It was so huge to have Pete out there because, one, when he caught the ball in the middle, he could score and he could pass. But number two, he was so tall that we could get it to him. The two guys that we felt most comfortable in that situation were Leaky and Pete. And I just feel like there was an opportunity or a chance to be able to take them out. He stepped up, and he was huge tonight. And I I think that's 100% right. Um, you know, we have seen in the past that we, Armando Baycott would would be there. Last year, Carolina used Brady Manick. Um, you know, in the previous years, it was Garrison Brooks really the first time that thought Carolina really figured out how to, to, to dissect the zone was with Bryce Johnson back during that, that that run to the national title game in 2015, 2016. And, um, you know, Pete has definitely been a guy that's been frustrating at times to, to watch him play. Um, And even last night, you know, with the missed free throw, because you can't always count on that ball bouncing around and finding your hands again for you to lay it up. But, this is a guy that, you know, I thought last night really grew up. And, you know, I, I was of the belief that after that game against Ohio State where he made the the shot to force overtime, that was going to be the turning point for his season. That didn't happen. He, You know, he'd suffered a back injury. That took some time away from him so far this year. But, but I, maybe that was last night because, I mean, there were times that Carolina was playing through him with Caleb Love with R.J. Davis, with Armando Baycott on the floor, and if that can't raise your confidence, I don't know what will.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's very possible that that could be what changes, you know, his season and turns it in the right direction. I think the thing is, you you kind of gotta you kind of gotta take last night and, and you know wonder if it's a bit of an anomaly just because of. The fact that you're playing the two-three zone, things probably won't be as easy. But who knows? I mean, we've seen that game before, be a confidence boost for guys. So yeah, maybe it is what ultimately turns his season around. And the thing is, is that at some point, you're going to need him to step up. There, there is no denying that in order for Carolina to reach their peak him or, or Puff Johnson is, is going to have to be able to bring some, what, some of what we saw from Brady Manick last year. You don't necessarily need that because as we've talked about here really over the last couple of weeks, but I think it's really been for the majority of the season, we're seeing R.J. Davis really take his game to another level. Uh, it even feels like Armando Bacot is taking his game to another level. The biggest things that we've talked about for this team outside of that, though, is Pete Nance coming into his own and Caleb Love becoming the guy that we saw last year. Well, Pete, I mean, Pete Nance, I think he's capable of doing that on the offensive end of the floor. In terms of the defensive end of the floor, in terms of him as a rebounder, I think we're just dealing, he is what he is at this point. Um, I thought there were times last night where he was just getting pushed around. Um, He just could not handle the physicality inside. And at this point, I'm just willing to admit to myself that this is kind of what he is. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to handle himself physically on the glass. Anybody that has any sort of size or strength, they are going to be able to take advantage of him. The thing that he has to do, though, is find his groove offensively, be able to score the ball the way that he did last night, and even last night, you know, there there were some moments where he, he you know, he had a couple of he had a stretch where he had back to back layups where he could have put Carolina, um, you know, they they could have extended their lead, and he blows both of them. So I I think that's an area that he has to get better at too, but. That's the thing. He just has to find a little bit more consistency on the offensive end because if he can become a guy that can give Carolina 10, 12 a night, you have to feel pretty confident that Carolina, especially on the offensive end of the floor, will be able to beat just about anybody. Defensively, you know, I thought he played really, really well um, in the game against NC State. I thought last night there were some times where he struggled a little bit, Um, especially when he was matched up against Benny Williams. Benny Williams blew by him a few times. So ultimately, I think that's the biggest thing for him is just finding more consistency to his game. Because if he can, you, you really feel like he's a dude that, with him playing at a high level, can really take this Toriel team uh, to you know the the level that we thought they were going to be able to play at before the season started.
0: Let's move on now to the stat of the game, and I think uh, I think this one's pretty easy because uh, it was points off of turnovers. Where Carolina had 21 points off of 17 Syracuse turnovers, and uh, Syracuse had 14 points off of 10 Tar Heel turnovers. That's a plus seven margin for Carolina. And they won the game by four, so I do think, even more so with the free throw discrepancy, um, I think that was something where you know Syracuse limited their turnovers like Carolina Like Carolina did, we might have been talking about a different result, a different outcome. So, with that, guys, uh, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer from DraftKings. When we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's 72-68 win at Syracuse. That's coming up next after this message from DraftKings. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5.00. And get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Whether you're betting on the NFC title game between the Niners and the Eagles... Or the AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. And adding parlays between McCaffrey touchdowns, Mahomes passing yards, or Joe Burrow touchdown passes. You can do all that and more over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code TBPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championship games and get 200 free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking great advantage of the Great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And, you know, I, I want to dive back into Pete Nance just just really quickly, because like you know the thing is is like you know I, I I was posing it as maybe that was the game that got it going for him, and you were like maybe you got to take it more as a as an anomaly. But I mean, if if you think back to to last year, and you you look at the run Carolina went on, we we started with the win at Duke because of what that game meant what that game represented. But who did Carolina play before they beat Duke in the final week of the regular season? Uh I believe that would be Syracuse, if I'm not mistaken. It was Syracuse at oh, yeah. home in a at the time it was a must-win game <clears throat> for Carolina. It was a crazy game where Caleb Love basically willed Carolina to 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 overtime and then willed Carolina to victory. But my point is that you know, did Brady Manic ever really have a game where you thought it was his coming out party? It was just steady play, steady play, steady play. and then in the month of March, the guy just couldn't miss. And I'm not saying that Pete Nance is is gonna go on some Brady Manic type of run if he wants to do that, by all means. it might help if you grow a Yeti beard like like Brady Manic had, maybe that'll give you some superpowers. But if he can just become the steady force that that Brady Manic was, maybe Carolina doesn't need him to have the type of explosion that Brady Manic did because you're getting more from R.J. Davis. You're getting the same contributions from Armando Baycott. And, and I think the thing that Caleb Love has still proven, despite all of his struggles so far this season, is that when a play has to be made, He's still a guy that I think in those moments we trust him to make the plays. And so I think that's more what I wanted to see from from, from Pete Nance. Whether, whether it's his coming out party overall or not, if this just leads to a steady dose of we know every night we're going to get 10 to 12, 14 points, six, seven, eight rebounds, that's going to do a lot of uh things positive for this Carolina team as well. And then, you know, maybe do you know just just open up some avenues for some other guys that way where they're on the court, maybe they're not pressing as much to contribute with points, rebounds, or, or some other area of the box score.
1: Well, that's the biggest thing, too, is is that it's different from Brady Manic last year. You bring up a really good point that there wasn't a game that Brady Manic really broke out in where we were like, man, this is the game where it all clicked for him. Um, it was just sort of a steady improvement throughout the season and unfortunately for Pete Nance you know the injury sandwiched you know the the middle part of his season I I think that that kind of threw him off just a little bit and and, and it sucks because I think it's going to be one of those things where you're going to kind of wonder well what if he didn't get injured would it have gone you know smoother that's that's possibly, you know, would he have been a, a bigger contributor? It's it's possible that you could have to come back to that at some point later on down the line and and really think about that. But I I think the thing for him is is that you like like I said, you've got the scoring around you that even at times last year, Brady Manic didn't have. Like RJ Davis is playing really consistent basketball. He's looking like the type of player that Carolina needs him to become. I mean, I've said it, you know, a couple of times, and I said it during the game uh, again the other night. I know Armando was playing really well. I think there are times where R.J. Davis is your best offensive option when you're coming down the floor. Because the way that he has been creating space for himself, knocking down these tough shots – Like this is this is the type of stuff we thought we were going to see from Caleb Love this season. And we're seeing it instead from R.J. Davis. So I, I think you've got that going for you. That takes a little bit of pressure off of how impactful you have to be. And I also think that this bench is deeper than the one that Carolina had a year ago, because frankly, a year ago, Carolina didn't have a bench. Now, right now. It sucks because you don't have Puff Johnson. You have no idea when he is actually going to come back at this point because this is a knee injury. This is something that has been a problem for Puff his entire career at Carolina. So it's definitely not something that they're going to rush it back from. But once you get him back in the fold and you look around the rest of this roster, I really do think this is a roster built to be able to go seven, eight deep when we get to the NCAA tournament. Now, the problem is, is that from what we've seen so far, this is probably going to be an NBA-style approach, even when they get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I don't really know how I feel about that. Honestly, I'm a little nervous about the fact that you're probably going to see Every time Carolina rolls out even d- during the NCAA tournament, you will see different guys that will be out there off the bench for Carolina. Like we saw it in this game against Syracuse, we saw Tyler Nickel play in this game, and I thought it was a good move. I think Huber Davis deserves a lot of credit for it because I think that he he at least gave Carolina a shooting threat out there. He knocked down one three, but you could tell that Syracuse looked at him as a guy that they had to at least uh, respect from beyond the arc and so I think that was the big reason why he played so much but that's that's the thing is that for Pete Nance you don't have to be what Brady Manic was a year ago we don't need you to be that guy in the NCAA tournament all we're asking you to be is a guy that shows a little bit more consistency can bring some things on the offensive end I mean look if you can at least stretch the floor and knock down that three ball at a pretty consistent rate and be able to score the ball inside when you get positioning, I think we're all going to be okay with that. And I think last night kind of showed a little bit of the blueprint. As I mentioned, there were a couple of times at the rim where I thought he could have finished a little bit better. But other than that, I I thought it was a really good game from him. And if we can see something at least resembling that, you don't even have to score at the level that he did last night most nights that you're out there because of the other guys around you you have to feel really really confident that this Carolina team is going to be able to have a lot of success and be one of those teams that nobody wants to see in the month of march
0: i am i'm i'm right there with you um cuz i i think they're trending towards that i i really do that might be the 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 blind faith fan in me that really bought into all the preseason hype but you know, I, I i watch a I watch a lot of college basketball. There isn't a great team out there, and I know we say this every year. The field is as open as it's ever been, um, and it's going to be really hard to find a team that has more experience, more of the right pieces than Carolina come March. And you know, I think with that, it's going to be really easy to find ourselves at least riding Carolina into the second weekend of that NCAA tournament. I want to talk about Caleb Love here because, you know, look, here's his box score. 15 points, four of seven shooting, three of five from three, four of six from the foul line, one rebound, five assists, two fouls, two turnovers. He played 31 minutes. Um, I think last night was his best game he's played all season long. Yes. I thought in the first half he was confident and aggressive but yet did so in a patient manner. And in the second half, he was he was just doing what needed to be done when it needed to be done for Carolina to win the game. I never really felt once last night he forced the issue. Uh, I never really felt like he took a shot that, that took Carolina out of its offense, took them out of rhythm. Um, his ball movement was absolutely impeccable. Uh, Carolina is now 26-3 and when he has five assists or more um, during his Tar Heel career. And and I just, you know, it it wasn't like he was building towards that because Saturday against NC State, he was 3 of 14 from the field. But, you know, I think we knew all along this game was going to happen because amid all the struggles – He's just too doggone good a basketball player to continue to play as ineffective as he has. And, you know, as much as he's gotten talked about this so far in a negative connotation from myself at times uh, included in that, uh, I I felt really happy for that kid last night because he he showed up to work every single day and he finally got rewarded with a big effort or with a big game um, last night on the road because Carolina doesn't win the game without Caleb Love.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, how could you not feel happy for him? Because, yeah, last night, I mean, that is that that is the best that we've seen him play since last season, since that final game, um, and really, honestly, since the Final Four game. Um, and I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe we need to request to play in football stadiums moving forward because I, I don't know what it is about the dome setting – he is a guy that loves to shoot in stadiums, apparently. I have no idea. Um, uh, but last night, I mean, I thought it was, he was he was great early in the game. Um, I think honestly, the thing that hurt him the most offensively was the foul trouble that he got in. I didn't think he was the same guy once he re-entered the game. Um, and that was, you know, that was kind of weird considering that the majority of the season, we've seen a guy that has started games unbelievably slow and taking some time to sort of settle in and then eventually down the stretch becomes the guy that makes the plays that you need him to make. So I I think you know last night is is something to build off of for him. And he needs to just figure out whatever he he did in that first half and find a way to kind of bottle that up and use that moving forward. Uh, again, I think the biggest thing that you saw last night—if you go back and watch the threes that he hit—and re- I think it was really all of the shots that he hit um, throughout the night—they were all ones where they were just catch and shoot opportunities. Um, That—that's—that's that's what he needs. That's why I don't understand when this team tries to use him as their primary ball handler over and over again. It just does not make any sense to me because when we've seen this dude play his most effective basketball, outside of moments during the tournament run last year, it's been when he has been able to catch the ball and pull the trigger. That's when he is, he, he is knocking down shots, at a high rate, and I think it, it it showed again last night, and it's something that Carolina has to focus on doing more of moving forward. Now, on the defensive end of the floor, yeah, he's still got a little bit of work to do, although I got to be honest, I thought that defensively, Carolina did some really good things early in the game. I thought once he left the game, that was when you started seeing some of the struggles. That's when you saw Judah Mintz start to get in a little bit of a rhythm. And so even on that end of the floor, I thought overall, the, the first the first 10 minutes of the game, I thought he was fantastic for Carolina. And then once he exits the game, I thought you saw, you know, things start to slow down just a little bit for him. And, you know, again, this, this is what's complicated about this because we just had the argument, you know, a couple of weeks ago about the fact that uh, Caleb Love should be a guy that at times you you take off the floor and and you bring him over there and coach him up. Well, people will look at this game and say, "Look, this was a game where you put him on the bench and you had no choice; you had to, but you put him on the bench and it sort of took him out of rhythm." So, yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's a complicated scenario as it always seems to be with Caleb Love. But I think the biggest thing to take away from last night is that you started to see. Some signs of a guy that is putting something together offensively. And as I said just a few minutes ago, and we'll say this so many times moving forward, especially now as we get into the month of February, for Carolina to be at their best, for them to, for you to feel confident that they can make a run in the NCAA tournament, Caleb Love has to be playing his best basketball. I think that's that's you know last night was a sign that you could be getting towards that now the question becomes how does he build off of that moving forward
0: let's talk about Carolina's defense because for the six straight game they held their opponent to under 70 points or less yet they did allow their opponent to shoot um over 50 percent from the field and you know, I, for the most part, I was pretty happy with the defensive performance. You know, you had the bad closeout that allowed Gerard to to knock in the three-pointer that gave Syracuse a brief lead before Carolina would, would come back and win the game. And, and look, I, I know they had issues um, guarding the ball at, at times. I think a lot of it was just they were just overplaying to where it, was, it wasn't really anything that Syracuse was doing. It was just simply Carolina was overplaying so much on the perimeter, it was just too easy for them to blow right by them. Um, they did allow 38 points in the painted area, and Syracuse shot 44% from the three-point line. But, but I thought Carolina was just active, and I think that was evident by the fact they forced 17 turnovers and turn, and then turn those into twenty one points, and I think that's the thing that I that you can live with is that even if Carolina's getting beat off the dribble, if they're giving up you know three pointers, whatever it is, as long as there's activity and there's there's a there's an effort on that that end of the floor. Look, players nowadays in the ACC they're 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 really really good. Teams are going to shoot closer to fifty percent now because shooting is as good as it's ever been in the history of the game. I think the times we get so frustrated with Carolina when, when they struggle on the defensive end of the floor is from the fact that there just seems to be no energy, no no attention to detail, stuff like that. We mentioned it in the game against NC State where that might have been their best defensive performance all around against a Power 5 opponent. Mm-hmm. And even though these numbers don't look as good as they did on Saturday, I thought I thought the effort carried over. And I think that was that was able to overcome a Syracuse team that shot very good for the floor very very well from the floor. And I still think they did a lot of things on the on the defensive end of the court yesterday that Hubert Davis can look at the film and be proud of. And they hope you can build on when they return to action next week against Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, it didn't really seem like they played poorly on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, you look at them points off of turnovers, they had 17. So part of it was that you were turning the ball over and giving them uh, some easy opportunities as well. And it's one of those things that we've seen from Carolina before they just had, you know, fits where they just could not hold on to the basketball once they started turning it over they would turn it over a few times in a row and all of a sudden it it gave Syracuse a little bit of confidence that's what kind of put them back into some of these games but I think yeah you're right for the most part like you look at Joe Joe Girard I mean he had a solid night but he wasn't exactly dominant And that was one of the things that we talked about coming into this game. Don't let this be another game where you allow someone to go off. Don't let this be Joe Girard, the second coming of Caleb Grill. And that didn't happen in this game. Um, You survived, you know, a pretty good night from Judah Mintz driving the basket. That was the thing that was probably the most frustrating was that there were just times where Carolina could not stop the basketball, and it wasn't even just the guards. I mentioned there were a couple times Benny Williams just took uh, uh, Pete Nance off the bounce and drove right by him. But, you know, I think one thing that Carolina did with that was, look, if if they got beat by guys, they kind of took that NBA approach to things of, hey, if we are if, if we get beat, then, hey, we just let them go by. We're not going to foul. We're not going to put this team at the free throw line. And so Syracuse attempted three free throws the entire night. Carolina was really smart in terms of the fouls and, and, and everything that they had to deal with with that. And I think the other thing is, is, look, they survived, you know, a pretty good night from Chris Bell who was a guy that came in, you know, scoring the ball pretty well, not great. He was a guy that we knew could be a threat from beyond the arc, but he hit some big shots down the stretch of this game. And Carolina, when they needed to, found a way to take him away and forced other guys to have to step up and make shots. So I think defensively, you know, Carolina did did a good job. I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, even if you look at the defensive glass, Carolina only allowed five offensive rebounds. So, yeah, they got out-rebounded in this game, and that's something that normally would be a concern. But it wasn't like they were giving up a lot of second-chance opportunities. This was more of just the turnovers were what were really hurting you. It gave them some easy looks, and they were able to finish. And that's really what allowed them to stay around in the game, what uh, was that and, and the fact that they just were able to hit some shots from the outside when they really needed to so uh overall defensively though yeah you, you gotta you gotta feel pretty good that Carolina you know for a team that we've looked at and 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 the statistics tell us that this team is a great offensive team there's been a few games this season now where Carolina has had to come out and play really good on the defensive end of the floor and I mean even if you go back to Saturday I know Carolina won that game by 11. But really, if they didn't play as well as they did defensively in that game, they probably would not have won that game. So you're seeing this team do the things that they have to do on the offensive end of the floor to allow them to win these games. And moving forward, it's going to have to be an area where they're going to have to play well because you're running into – look, I mean, that that game that you're going to play next Saturday in Durham, yeah, that's a team that's going to defend – I mean, they've defended well for the majority of the season. And it's frankly because they have no choice. They're not a great offensive team, but Carolina is going to have to come prepared to defend in that game. And if Carolina is going to enact some revenge on Virginia eventually later on this season, that's another game where you're going to have to see this team step up and play well defensively. And I think they're showing the signs of a team that can be able to do that.
0: Another thing to really take away, this will be our last point, before we get out of here was that Carolina's ball movement was really, really good last night. Uh, They assisted on 20 of their 26 made baskets. That's over 76%. That's the best assist percentage on made baskets so far this season. And, you know, I, I read this in Adam Lucas's column about the game is that Syracuse's zone has always been a good recipe for Carolina, if they've ever struggled with ball movement, because the best way to attack the zone is to quite frankly, move the basketball from, you know, side to side, inside and out. And I thought they did just a really good job with that last night where, you know, they, they were going, they, they would put the ball at the foul line to where you could work the high low game, which is something you don't really see a whole lot in honor basketball anymore. Cause you play so much for around one, but when it's executed, it's beautiful um so that you had that going for you then you just had the the ball getting into baycott on the block with 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 deep post touches where i mean at this point once once he gets the ball pretty much deep in the post he's either going to score he's going to draw a foul or he's going to score and draw the foul because he's just he's just so efficient right now on the offensive end And then they did a good job of making Syracuse have to rotate and and move, you know, from one side of the court to the other. That's why they got quality looks from three, and they got just so many better looks, you know, in in their half-court offense than they have in recent games where even though they scored, you know, 80 against uh, NC State and 72 against Boston College, it wasn't very efficient. And and so um, I think that's one thing that – Huber Davis has, has carried over from learning and coaching under Roy Williams. Is I think Roy Williams was the best coach in college basketball at coaching zone offense. And, you know, with the win last year over Syracuse and the win this year now over Syracuse, I think it's fair to say that that Huber Davis knows how to draw up an offensive game plan from a passing attack to give his offense the best chance to be successful against that famous two three zone of, of Jim of Jim Boeheim and Syracuse
1: that's one thing that he took he, he took away from Roy Williams and again we, we we heard it when he first took the job he said look you know I'm going to take things from each and every one of my mentors and I think we're we're, we're seeing that um, and this is the one thing that he's taken away from it Yeah, Carolina, I thought, did a great job of attacking that last night. And the the overall ball movement, I mean, that was the thing that stood out the most to me early in the game and really throughout. It it was just, I I mean, I could not believe how fluid that ball movement was early in the game. Because even last year when you played Syracuse, they didn't move the ball as well. It was a team that still was struggling to hold on to the basketball. And, look, there were times last night where they turned the ball over. But I think the thing that, you know, look, you don't want to have the turnovers at all. But the thing that's encouraging is the fact that it was your big men that were turning the ball over. It wasn't your guards that were making the mistakes, the guys that at times we have seen make the mistakes and it's just become so frustrating. Those guys are moving the ball incredibly well. And again, I thought, you know, you, you look, and I don't know how, wh- why this happened. It was the big men, again, as I mentioned, that were turning the ball over. But once Caleb Love left the game, you saw the ball movement start to struggle just a little bit. But even still, in that first half, Carolina assisted on 14 of their 16 made baskets. In, as a comparison, the other day against NC State, Carolina had five assists the entire game. So this this was this is one of the keys to being able to beat the zone defense, and Carolina clearly made it a point to move the basketball well. I mean, early in the game, I mean, it looked like you were watching the Harlem Globetrotters or something. The amount of times that they were just giving the ball off. I mean, there were, th- there was a point where it did not look like a guy held the basketball for more than two or three seconds. It was just moving that quickly, and Syracuse had nothing for that. They had no answers. There was no way for them to slow it down. And I think, you know, the, the other thing is we we talk so much when they play against Syracuse that it's so important to get to that free throw line area and knock down shots. Well, last night they weren't exactly doing that, but they were getting to that area and passing out of there, and it led to a lot of success. The other thing that I think they did as well was – they, they, Both Pete Nance and Armando really did a good job of knocking down some of those middle-of-the-lane hook shots. You saw a couple of those throughout the game from each guy where they got into a spot, they created just enough room, and they were able to knock down those shots. And look, those are tough shots. They deserve a ton of credit for knocking those down, especially Armando, who you saw last night. Extended the range just a little bit. Armando needs to realize that, look, unfortunately, don't think the three-pointer is ever going to be a part of your game. We've seen him attempt a few of those here you know, over the past few years. But I think he showed that there is a little bit of mid-range game for him. And I think last night, a great display by both of those guys in that area. Carolina just did a tremendous job of attacking this zone defense. And it's great to see that that is something that Hubert Davis was able to take away from Roy Williams.
0: Did want to highlight Tyler nickel really quickly. He played the most minutes off the bench last night with 12, made a big corner three um, in the second half, and then also made a pretty big defensive play uh, also in the ball game earlier in the first half. And, um, you know, just another great example of, you, of what Hubert Davis says that, you know, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity. I don't know when and where, but it's it's your job to be ready when I call upon you. Last night, that was Tyler Nichol, and he proved that he was ready for the challenge and helped Carolina also in, on, the, on the way to their 72-68 win. Well, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show, but before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website That's HeelToughBlog.com where there's an in-depth recap from the win over Syracuse posted where you can go back and read and find some more stats and nuggets from the win last night. And with Carolina, uh, you know, with over a week off, there'll be a good chance for me to get maybe an opinion article or two out there um, before Carolina returns to action next week. As for football, uh, Carolina has a new defensive backs coach. Anthony has you covered with that news. They also landed their first commitment in the 2024 class. All that coverage and more, that's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Uh, we're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and uh, and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review but more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.